sermons, which we maybe shouldn't. But anyway, before you all go passive on me, I want to ask you this morning, what is, it, what, is it, what is it about the character of your father? What are some of the things he did that you appreciate, even especially if you're an adult now? What are some of the, the characteristics of your father that, that you carry with you to this day, that you appreciate even to this day? What are, what, what are some of those things? His faith in God, fantastic. His honor, yep, fantastic. What else? Integrity, great. What else? Belief in me, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. What else? Fought for you, yeah, fantastic. What else? His love, yeah, his love for you, yep. What else? Respect, yep. Work ethic, yeah. Time he invested with you, yeah. It's important, isn't it? Even when you're, even when you're old, through. Yeah, belief in you. We're going to talk about that one a lot today. I think that's an important aspect of fatherhood. I love these. I love these. I love these masculine kind of terms, and and the reason I love them is not because necessarily I'm so good at all this. I'm certainly not. But but one of the things is that I like to I like to hear that because you know I like us all men. I like us all to hear these things because these are these are our virtues that God created for us to bear on His behalf, for us to bear His image on our, on His behalf with these things that he, that we're, you guys are talking about, and and we all recognize it. I mean, we know, all know what we all know what good masculinity looks like, don't we? We all know what good fatherhood looks like, and and boy, it's a wide aspect. And I could I could talk for uh, weeks here talking about the, some of these aspects of fatherhood, but I just wanted to hit a four or five of these today that I think are so important for us men today. But let me let me just say first off, let me let me. Um, you know, I'm not going to ever stand up here and talk about the virtues of a person um, and not talk about the virtues of our God who's really worthy of our worship. Amen? Uh, so I'm going to talk about fatherhood and how it should relate to us as men, but I want to talk about how the, the God, our Father, exhibits all these just perfectly, and, and because of that's worthy of our worship and, and, he, and His desire to be our Father and, and desire to be our, God, our, uh, our, our Dad, really. Um, so let's see. Let me start with a quote from, this is J.I. Packer. J.I. Packer is just a fantastic writer. He wrote a book called Knowing God. Matter of fact, let me just recommend to you, if, if, um, if you're looking for a, a little bit of a systematic theology book, Knowing God is a great place to start. So anyway, if you're looking for a good little uh, kind of place to start in, in a study of theology, his book, Knowing God, is just fantastic. I read it about 20, I don't know, many years ago. Um, but anyway, J.I. Packer, in, in his book, Knowing God, wrote this. He said, if you, wanna, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, he gives us a litmus test. He says, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Everything that is distinctively Christian is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. How about that? So, so basically, the, you know, this aspect or this, this thought that God wanted us to relate to him in a way 
And so he created this uh, thing that we call fatherhood now so that whenever we, you and I relate to God, that we can recognize him and we can recognize what that relationship's like. He told us, his, you know, basically through his son, and we're going to get to the passage here in a moment, but he said, how I want you to relate to me is call me father. Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? The relationship between us and God. And, of course, you know, God, the God of the universe, the God that spoke, you know, um, um, uh, the, the universe in existence, the God that spoke billions of stars into existence, he doesn't come to us and says, call me king, you know, call me supreme, call me these things. He says, call me father. An incredible, relatable God, an incredible, loving God, too, that of all the things that he could have told us to call him, he says to call him our Father, especially in the New Testament. We'll look at that in just a moment. But I want to talk about some of the aspects of fatherhood this morning, how it applies to us and how it relates to God this morning. So one of the very first things I want to talk about is that one of the things that uh, Brenda uh, spoke, talked about just a minute ago is, um, is that God's um, God, this thought of God being our protector and our defender. And listen, w- we could go all throughout the Old and New Testament and talk about how God is our protector and defender. We could talk about how some of the names of God relate to him being our protector and defender. But one of the great times in, in Israel is a time when the, the people of Israel um, had been carried off into captivity, that their, their walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed, and God sent a man named Nehemiah back to the city of Jerusalem to, to help rebuild the city walls. And while they were there, they were coming into all this conflict, and all these other nations were coming against them because they didn't want the Jews to come back and to gain any of that power that they had before, any of that military or, or uh, army kind of power. They didn't want them to fortify their city um, anymore. And so there's all this struggle going on during the time of Nehemiah. But in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, listen to what Nehemiah told the people as they built the city. Listen to what he told them to do um, as they... um, Uh, as they were building the city. He says, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I I love what this says. I love what this says. Two things. One, I love what it says about God. What does it say? He says, Don't be afraid of them, because what? See, see, you've already kind of slipped back again, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> huh? Because what? Your God is what? He is great and awesome. Over and over again, the people of the Old Testament, the Israelites and the Jews were told over and over again, God will fight for you. Matter of fact, all the way back in the Exodus, you know, when Moses is talking to the Israelites, he tells them, you know, you, don't be afraid because God will fight for you. And you remember all the stories of the conquest of, of, um, of the promised land when the Israelites moved in there over and over again, they would stand these impossible odds. And God told them to do crazy things like, you know, show up with a, with a clay jar and, and then we'll defeat the city this way of Jericho, right? And how did it happen? Is that God fought the battle. Actually, we sing the song, don't we? God fit the battle of Jericho even today. But anyway, um, all this stuff about who God is and that God, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and that God himself would, would ensure their success. So listen, God as our Father fights for us. He defends us. He protects us. Amen. He is our defender, our protector, our provider, all of those things. And listen, but listen to what it says. Listen to the flow down. And so here he is. He's talking to the men who are helping to rebuild the walls. And he says, remember your God. He is great and awesome. But it doesn't stop there, does it? He says, in what? And you defend your brothers, your wives, 
your homes, your children. You stand up, man. He calls them to action. He calls them. Matter of fact, there's a, there's a part where he says, he says, with one hand you carry your bricks, and with the other hand you, you carry a sword, right, to defend and fend off the enemies of God and the enemies of his people. And with the other hand you're building. I think that's a beautiful, uh, fantastic picture of masculinity right there. It's this building, kind of uh, upbuilding, um, um, creating kind of a piece of masculinity, but also the defending and the powerful and the uh, uh, defending and, and protector uh, view of masculinity that I think is captured so well in that verse. And he tells them to fight. You know, fight for your homes, fight for your daughters, fight for your sons. Fight for your wives, all right there together. So this idea, this idea about, about us as men being protectors and defenders for our families flows down as an image of God. And you and I, men, are supposed to represent for our families. One of this in many aspects of God, but this is one of the main ones, is that we are protector, defender, fighter for our families, our wives, and our children. Amen? Let me just, as I go on along, I'm going to make some just kind of minor points. We'll really get to the application at the end. But there are things in our homes, there are things in our lives, there are things in our families' lives that we have to defend against, right? We have to set a standard in our home for what's acceptable behavior, even for our young children, right? We have to set a, a, a standards in our home about what's acceptable uh, for the environment in our home, right? And, and there are things, man, that we need to stand against and say, we're going to take steps to guard against this stuff. We're going to take steps, and, and I, you know, for you, you know, we do things in our house, like when, when, when our children, especially when they were small, we brought the computer into the dining room. You know, we had a computer cabinet there, and the computer was right there. If you want to be on the computer, you're going to be on the computer in front of everyone. Right. Um, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to watch a movie, you're not going to watch a movie in your room. You're going to watch movies in the family room. But I'm going to see, and you're going, to, you're going to see what I'm watching. You're going, to, I'm going to see what you're watching. We're all going to be accountable here together because we're going to set a standard for what's acceptable here, and everyone knows what's acceptable, and we're all going to be accountable to it, to it from dad on down. Right. Uh, that's the way that we did it. That's some of the kind of practical ways that we did that in our house. But it's up to a dad to stand and set a standard for the family and said, this is what we're going to allow and this is not what we're, this is, these are the things that we're not going to allow in our home. I'm not talking about being legalistic. I'm talking about being very practical in the holiness and leading your family. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's continue. So, so about that, so God is our protector and defender. And men, you as a protector and defender, as, as, that, as that image of God is, is shown through you. The next thing is about provider. One of the names of God is actually God, Jehovah, the provider, right? Um, uh, uh, but but uh, it, I think especially maybe this is best spelled out in, in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus is talking. He's actually kind of talking about prayer, and he's saying when you go and you pray, don't go rambling on and on and on and on about God, I need food, God, I need this, God, I need this. He says God already knows all of your needs. He already knows. He, he, and he already provides. And listen to what, he, listen to what it talks about, about what a great provider uh, God the Father is. I'm, I apologize. I keep looking up because I'm, uh, I'm cheating a little here, I guess. I'll just turn there. I'll quit being so lazy. How about that? Matthew chapter 6. I have it written out on my sheet, but I've got a different version. Let me make this a little easier for us all. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 26 says this, Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, and he's teaching the crowd about this and telling us why we shouldn't worry. Anyone need to hear that this morning? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, listen. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, about what, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life is how NIV interprets that. Um, but listen to what he says. He says, God provides for, for everything. He provides for everyone. He provides even for the birds of the air. And aren't you more important to God than the birds of the air? And so the implication is what? Then he will, what? Provide for me. Um, he will provide for me. This is, uh, again, all throughout the Old Testament. We could go verse after verse after this, talk about how God provided for the Israelites and how God has provided for us in all ways. Physically, he provides for us, right? He provides shelter. He provides food. He provides family. He provides friends that love us here on this earth. He provides things for our enjoyment, right? He provides all this for our enjoyment. He, he, and the way that he's created um, you know, the way he's, he's made his creation, it's not like he's this uh, kind of, um, what's that word, um, stingy provider. It's not like he says, well, I'm only going to give them the things that are practical, right? No. Listen, he created billions of stars that we're still discovering that will never discover them all. He, you know, he's created beauty in, in, uh, in, 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 in life all around us, and, and he's provided in, in these incredible, amazing ways that we can't really ever fully understand them all. Um, you know, I, 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 Clay and I, uh, Clay Robinson and I, talk a lot about about God's creation. And and in in college, I was uh, I was chemistry and biology major, but I really was focused on the biology and the anatomy of the body. Clay was focused on the lesser things. I'm kidding uh, about soil and 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 plant life, and all those things really bored me to death. In, in college, you with me? Um, those things bored me to tears. Even though it was biology, I was bored to death with plants and stuff. But, but one of the things that Clay and I, whenever we talk and we kind of talk about, you know, I kind of talk about the intricacies of the, the little bit that I remember of the, the beauty of the human body and, and how it functions and how it works and how very obvious it is to me that it's that is created by a masterful, wise creator. Um, Clay, Clay can talk about soil and plant life in that way. So let me put it to you this way. If you're not amazed by the tree in your front yard, you just don't understand it well enough. You hear me? If you're not amazed by the birds that are flying over the head and, and the miracle it is about their migration and patterns, is, listen, it's just you don't know enough, right? It's incredible. It's amazing. It's profound. Right? We have uh, Joe Cox here with us this morning. If you're not amazed by, by music, and, and listen, my kids are all kind of music nerds. Can I call you music nerd? Okay. My, my kids are all music nerds. They talk about music theory and stuff I have no idea about. But, but the way that they talk about how music works and how things sound right and good to us, it's just, just incredible the way that God has weaved them together. I, I've gotten way off on that. I'm sorry. But God is a provider way over, right, what we need. He provides us much more than all we need. Very, very giving provider. I hope for you, I hope your dad was that way with you. I hope he provided for you in a way that, that expressed not only that he was willing to, to give to you, but he was, he, he was giving to you from his heart. I know not everyone, I know not every dad's built that way, but I hope he provided it to you in such a way that just it was an expression, an overflow of his love for you. Because that is the kind of love that our God has for us. Amen? That's the kind of love our Heavenly Father has for us. 
This next one I have, uh, actually, I couldn't have said it better. I found a video uh, that I just think is just brilliant. And actually, it reminds me of my dad. I'll be real honest. And uh, this is, uh, Juice, are you ready for this? It talks about this encouragement or this comfort that we receive from our own father. So let me, let me have Juice go ahead and roll this video. You got this. Uh my bee. You got this. Come on. You got this. Dear Jesus, I want to invite you into my heart. You got this. I tell you, I uh, I remember when I was growing up, my uh, my dad would just had absolute confidence in my sister and I. I don't know if he really had all that much confidence in us, but but he he said he did. And and listen, there's something about when a father speaks to you, you believe him. I was listening. There's a gentleman named Jim Daly who uh, is now the CEO of Focus on the Family. He was talking about whenever he grew up, his dad left his family, and um, I heard him interviewed. He he wrote a book. Matter of fact, if uh, if you're interested, you ought to write this down and, and pick it up. It's a brand new book. It's just been out maybe a few months. It seems like or something like that. I saw him interviewed about it, and I saw him interviewed about his. You know, the fact that uh, he wrote a book. And it's called the It's called the Good Dad. And uh, it's a book not on being a, it says, let's see, it says something, it's a book not on being a perfect father, but on being a, uh, 
on being a godly father or something like this. But interesting to me that a guy who wrote it who lost his dad at an incredibly early age because he, he left their family, I heard him interviewed about the book, and he was talking about it, and he said, he said he said he went through a time where he was angry. He went through a time that he was sad. He went through a time when he was angry with God. He was angry with his mom and all this. And he said ultimately he felt like there were some things that he missed out on, that he was, that he was uh, for years he was always kind of reaching back because, because the absence of his dad had left some holes in his life. Isn't that true? He said that, he said that for him, he didn't have the confidence that he thought he should have as a young man because he never had a dad behind him telling him, you got this. You, you can do this. You can handle this. Yeah. So uh, let me, um, so let me, uh, let me just encourage you, those of you who are our fathers and grandfathers now, your words have incredible power in the lives of your children and grandchildren, right? Amen? The, 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 the words of a father carry an incredible weight, right? They carry an incredible weight. And, you know, when you tell your kid that they can do it, when you tell a child that they can achieve something, listen, they're going to believe you. You and I both know that there are also people who grew up, and maybe you grew up this way where, Fathers have uh, a little different voice, and they're, they're broken men who are raising broken families. That happens, doesn't it? They're broken men who don't have those, kinds of, those kind of words in their vocabulary. Instead, they tend to make reap more destruction than, they, uh, than they, uh, they make a bigger hole than they fill. Listen, here's what I want to tell you this morning. Let me make sure I have everybody's attention. God is able to fill any hole in the life of anybody all the time. Listen, his redemption and salvation is so great. His grace and his mercy so powerful that he can overcome every weakness that your father left. And listen to me, every hole that you left in the lives of your child, God is able to fulfill. Amen? Listen, I I need that kind of comfort. I need that kind of knowledge in me because I need to know that the mistakes that I've made in my children are not irrecoverable. I need to know that God, in his power and his grace, he is able to fill up all the holes and fill up all the mistakes that I've made in raising my children because I will never be a perfect dad. I will never get this all right, right? And neither will you. None of us grows up with a perfect dad because there's only one perfect father, amen? And I'm not it and you're not either. Neither was your dad or my dad, right? But listen, God is able to do it, and over and over it declares from the Proverbs and, and, and the prophets also declare that God is a father to the fatherless, and his grace is sufficient. This is, this is one of the things that Jim Daly talks about is that, is that he found God to be the father he was lacking in his childhood. Amazing, incredible, isn't it? The power of the gospel, the power of, the, of, the, of God's plan for redemption and salvation is life-encompassing, absolutely life-encompassing. Amen? He is our great father. So, gentlemen, I just want to encourage you, watch what you say. Your children are looking for you to build something in them. You know, we all think about, whenever we think about building, we think about working away in a garage or a shop, but you're doing more in building your children, and those things are going to last, you know. The things that you put together in your shop, the things you put together in your, in your garage, don't last. What you build into your children are going to outlive you, amen? May it be so. May it be, so. May it be a godly heritage you leave in the lives and the hearts of your children. 
of the other things I want to talk about. So we talked about God being a provider and a, and a protector, a defender. We talked about him being an encourager, a comforter to us. How many times does the gospel or does the, does the Bible refer to God and, and the Holy Spirit as being our comforter, our encourager? Um, one of the other things that we know, though, is that God is created by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's created for us an example to follow. In Proverbs chapter 20, and that, boy, this, again, we could just go on and on, but in, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7, says this, The righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. Do you see this idea? Is it a, blame, a, a righteous man leads a blameless life, and his children follow behind him. His children follow his example because he is leading them in the lives that they're going to lead. That, that, that's a heavy weight on our shoulders, isn't it, man? It, to, to know that I need to, to live a righteous life, and I can't do it on my own. I can't fulfill this on my own. I have to rely on God's power for it. And before you feel all that crushing weight of knowing that your children are going to follow you wherever you go, and you know the mistakes that you've made, and I know the mistakes that I've made, listen, our God is the one who makes us righteous And our God is the one who will guide our children and will help them step over and step around all the mistakes that we've made and will help them get around it as well. But his children follow after him. Uh, Yeah, fantastic. Let's continue here. So an example of follow. Listen, as you live your life, we all got to know, man, especially right when your children are young or your grandchildren are young, we got to know and we got to think, wait, where I am going, one day my children are going to follow me. Are you walking in a righteous path? Are you walking in a way that you want your kid, children to follow you? Yeah. The last thing is this, as a trainer or a, dis, a disciplinarian, um, God disciples us, and he does it for a good. Way back in Proverbs, again, in chapter, chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, this is quoted later in Hebrews chapter 12, but in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, listen to what it says about God being our trainer or our uh, disciplinarian. Yes, here we go. My son, do not despise. So you remember Proverbs was written mostly, most of it's by uh, Solomon, and he writes, this, he writes this book of wisdom to pass on to his sons. And uh, just incredible writing, just incredible wisdom that he passes on. Uh, but one of the, some of the things he says is this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. In other words, talking about how sometimes you go through life and it seems like God just kind of gives you a little swat. You know what I'm saying? He kind of corrects you, kind of rebukes you, and uh, kind of helps keep you on the, on the straight and narrow. But listen what he says, how this works. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he, read it with me, delights in, right? A father out of love will discipline his children, right? It's not out of anger. It shouldn't be out of anger. It's not out of anger. It's out of this desire that I want to see you grow up in a way that, that is a blessed life. I want to see you grow up in a way that, that you know how to walk the righteous walk. You know, I remember uh, um, studying uh, child psychology, and uh, one of the things that we just kind of came to realize in that class is that, you know, we're, we're one generation away from being absolute savages, you know? You know, if parents stopped being parents today entirely, the next generation would just be, you know, like, uh, uh, j- just be like wild animals, right? If, there, if it weren't for parents and fathers in particular stepping in and saying, I am setting for you the standard for your behavior, and this is where I expect your behavior to be, 
and setting that discipline out of love, out of a desire to see your children do well, right? So, you know, your little, your little three-year-old tyrant, a father, right, a, a, a good father with wisdom, with, a, with wisdom from the Scriptures recognizes that one day this little guy is going to have to know how to be married to a woman. One day this little guy is going to have to know to, how to answer to a boss. And so a wise father says, oh, no, 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 you're not going to act like this. Th- this is not the kind of child that you're going to be. You're going to learn to be controlled. You're going to learn to have some self-discipline, and you're going to learn to behave up here. And, and what, why do we do that? Do we do that because we're angry with our children? Do we do that because we hate them? No, we do it because we love them, and we want to see their life go well, right? A, th- a three-year-old is a terrible husband, right? So you, you, you get the, by the time the kid's 16 or 18, the three-year-old needs to be gone, right? You've got to work on that, especially in those early years. Uh, a three-year-old's a terrible terrible worker. Um, so anyway, so um, I think that that's, that's the majority of what I had today. Let me, I, but I do want to, I do want to, I do want to say this, one of several things. One is, is that God is able, I, ju- I just want to hit this one more time. God is able to fill the holes that your dad left in your life. He is absolutely able. Now it's by faith. It's not, you know, it's not as easy as we want it to be. But, but God's salvation, his redemption, is, is life-changing over all areas of lives. And the things that you lack from your dad, God is able to fill. Amen? I believe it to be true. I really do. I, I believe it to be true. I believe that salvation and redemption is just that powerful. It covers not only this next life. It covers uh, our brokenness in this one. Amen? The other thing, and the flip side of this coin, gentlemen, is this, is that you and I as fathers have made mistakes you and I and our lives have made mistakes, and God's grace and mercy is able to cover over them all. So listen, if you as a believer are carrying shame and guilt, listen, those are not for you to carry. Those are for you to surrender at the cross. And listen, believe in what the Lord Jesus Christ has said, is that all of that, all of your sin belongs to me. Right? He took it all upon himself on the cross, and he died for that very junk on the cross. For that very sin, he died for that. And listen, there is a part of our salvation that has to do with us really learning to appreciate what Jesus Christ has done. And some of that is this constant pulling off of this weight and laying it off at the cross where, I, where, where we go and we say over a period of years, you say, I really made some mistakes as a, as a father. I really made some mistakes as a husband. I really made some mistakes in my life. And to constantly go to the cross and over and over and say, and I lay that burden down because I believe that Jesus Christ died for that very sin. You know what it'll make you do? It'll make you run to the cross over and over and over, and your appreciation for what Jesus Christ has done in your life will grow exponentially. And then when your appreciation for Jesus Christ has grown exponentially, your love for him will grow exponentially because you know what he's delivered you from. Amen? And I, I thought for a long time that the longer that I lived as a believer, I would just get, you know, kind of holier and holier. And that, you know, I would start off like this, but, you know, my holiness would just go like this. But you know what? It's not that way at all, is it? The truth is, is that my corruption was this deep. My sin was, 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 was bigger than I can even fathom now. And so it's not that I'm getting holier. What's happening is I'm getting a greater respect for the salvation that's been bought for me by the Lord Jesus Christ because I'm, I'm gaining wisdom very slowly, by the way. I'm gaining wisdom, and I'm learning that I was corrupted by sin. 
completely in my mind, in my heart, twisted, absolutely corrupted by sin. And I have a greater understanding of my need for a Savior today and a Father today than I ever did. Amen? And I reckon it's going to be like that until we get to the other side. Yeah? Okay. So that's the first thing, is that, is that, you know what? God is able to fill the hole that you left or fill the hole that was left in your life. He is a father to the fatherless. He is able to do in you and do for you maybe what your father was unable to do. Um, let, me, let, me, uh, yeah, let, me skip, let me skip to the end here. The last thing I want to I want to encourage you this is is men is this and this is something I've needed so many times in my life is this is that listen for you as fathers and you as grandfathers there are just times when I I don't know about you but there have been times in my life where I've just felt like I am just blowing it I mean I you know I, I just felt like I would I would try to do this in my for my wife and it would just go all wrong I would try to do this for my children and it would just go all wrong I, I was tied up sometimes in fears that 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 I didn't know what I was doing and over and over again and listen. I had to have other I had to have another believer another a brother in the faith come along beside me when I just felt like I couldn't do anything right because there for a while I couldn't do anything right you know what I'm saying I couldn't do anything right. I couldn't, I couldn't be consistent about what I wanted to do for my children or for, for my wife uh, as a husband or as a father. And I couldn't do it. I, you know, I, I just struggled over and over again. And I, finally, a brother came to me and said, you know, can we go get a Coke? Can we go talk? Because he knew I was, uh, I was struggling. He knew I was down. And so I kind of told him what was going on in my life. And he said just some powerful words to me. He said, God will empower you for everything that he's called you to. He said, God has called you to be a father to your children. He's going to help you to do it. God has, God has called you to be a husband to Brenda, and he's going to help you to do it. Do you know, do you, I cannot tell you the power that that had in my life or the change that that brought in my life, that the, the recognition that, you know, I don't have it. I, I'm bankrupt. I, I don't have what I need to, to be a good father. I don't have what I need to be a good husband. But I know the God who created fatherhood. And you know what? He's got some pretty good ideas. You know what I'm saying? He's got the wisdom and he's got the power to work out in my life and, and to, to really to pour through me his providence, his providing for my children, his fighting for them, right? His, his encouragement through them poured out through me. The example that I'm supposed to be is, is poured out as I try to follow Christ, then, then, then I become an example that's worth following. Um, this trainer, this idea that God is our disciplinarian, that he, dis- he wants to, out of love, discipline my children to be disciplined as well. Um, I-, I can't tell you what a change that was for me, and I-, and I hope it is for you. I hope that's words of encouragement for you today. So, so gentlemen, you ever failed as a father? Listen, I know the God, and so do you. I- we know the God who is able to empower you to do everything that you're called to do as a father, uh, as a husband. And, uh, and, I, and I tell you what, the, the absolute truth that, that he is a father to the fatherless. He, his grace, his mercy, his, his power is able to overcome um, all the holes that we've left in the lives of our children and the, live, and, and the holes that were left in our lives when our, when our fathers were absent or, or maybe were so broken that they weren't able to pour in or build into you um, what, what they needed to. So let's do this. Let's, uh, let's pray together, and let's just take some time to recognize God as our Father and His ability to work in our lives. You got something that you can play, Clint. Thank you very much. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are our great Father. We thank you that, that when the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it was different than what they did in the Old Testament. This was not just a Jewish faith that we've inherited. This is a, this is a new kind of faith that we've inherited because it's all built on this idea that we are adopted into God's family because of what Jesus Christ has done. So, so that when Jesus tried, taught his disciples how to pray, he said, address God this way. He said, our Father in heaven. And and when we address you, Lord God, you, you didn't tell us to address you as king. You didn't tell us to address you as our, our sovereign. You said, address me as Father. So, Father, we just we worship you for that. We thank you for being so relatable. We thank you for being that kind of God, that you want to have that kind of father-son and father-daughter relationship with us, Lord God, that familial relationship with us that you desire. You want to be our God. You want us to be your people. You want to be our Father. And you want us as your sons and daughters. So, Father, all of, really, all of your love expressed in that way just makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense why you would be willing to sacrifice yourself for us. It makes sense why you'd be willing to, to provide for us so well. It makes sense why you'd be willing to fight for us and defend us and protect us. It makes sense why you want to why you want to lead us and train us and dis- discipline us, Lord God, because you love us with a heart. Oh, Father. Father, I pray first. I want to pray first for those men whose who's, uh, those men and women, really, both, I guess, who, whose fathers left a bigger hole than they filled. They were gone too early, Lord God, or, or they were so broken, such broken men that they didn't have the ability to build anything into their sons and daughters. Father, we look to you. You are, the, you are our great Father. You are the Father to the fatherless. And your mercy... Your grace is sufficient, Lord God, to fill all of those holes, to build what was lacking in our lives, the, the, the things that were lacking being built by our fathers. Lord, you are able to do. Lord, I thank you for the examples of men like Jim Daly who can stand with a testimony and say, God has put in me what was lacking from my father. Lord, I pray that for these men and women here who are here today, that you build in them what was lacking Father, I thank you too and pray for the men who are gathered here this morning that you would help them to be the God, the, the, the fathers, the, the grandfathers, Lord God, that you've created them to be. And Lord, pray that you would help us all to seek you and not to try to just do this on our own, but to seek you for wisdom, to seek you for power, to seek you for, um, for consistency, Lord God, because we don't have that on our own. We need your help, Lord. We just confess that all together as, as men, as fathers, fathers and grandfathers. We confess we need your help. We need your wisdom. And we need your strength in our lives, Lord God, to live through us. In all these things, Lord God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. You are the one. You are the giver of fathers. And you are the great father to us. Thank you, Lord God, for being provider, defender the one who fights for us, the one who trains us, the one who leads us. Help us, Lord, to be that in our families. It's in the name of our great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. 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 Listen, Lord bless you. you guys pray, pray that you guys have a, a great Father's Day today, some great time with your family. Thanks for being here.